TSX or no audio. Hello everybody, it is Monday, February the 12th. It's about quarter to 11 here on the Eastern Seaboard of Australia and welcome to another Week in Review. Off we go with the anti-war headlines, section one, the genocide. Former US Middle East commander says Israel's success in Gaza is quote, very limited, unquote. Israel says more than a fifth of Israeli hostages in Gaza are dead, adding a subtitle, how the fuck do they know that? Netanyahu rejects Hamas counteroffer for hostage deal, insists on, quote, total victory, end quote. Report Israel backed off on hostage talks after rejecting Hamas's latest offer. Biden admin admits to, quote, missteps, end quote, in handling Gaza genocide, but will not alter policy. Section 2, Southwest Asia, the conflagration. A note that there are five articles on specifically the stuff to do with in Gaza, 13 on the associated stuff. So, in essentially, uh, what's happening is that Israel has managed to succeed by creating the greater conflagration, focusing the news elsewhere, and getting everyone's eyes off what the hell they're doing in Gaza, it to some degree. Anyway, moving on. US, UK launch another round of heavy strikes on Yemen. Jake Sullivan refuses to rule out US airstrikes inside Iran. Iraqi PM declares three days of mourning for those killed in US airstrikes. Six US-backed Kurdish fighters killed in drone attack on US base in Syria. White House walks back false claim that it notified Iraq before launching airstrikes. I read that again. White House walks back false claim that it notified Iraq before launching airstrikes. Raytheon awarded $68 million contract to supply Taiwan with glide bombs. US to increase military aid to Guyana amid tensions with Venezuela. Do you remember that? Still going on. McConnell says $118 billion military aid and border bill will, quote, not become law, end quote. House fails to pass $17.6 billion Israel military aid bill. Senate votes down $118 billion military aid and border bill. Senate votes to deliberate on $95 billion foreign military aid bill. And the next section, Ukraine slash Russia. Russia says Ukraine killed 28 in shelling of bakery with US-provided HIMARS. Zelensky removes his top general, a move that's expected to backfire. Moving on, China slash Taiwan slash Southeast Asia. Senate confirms China hawk Kirk Campbell as Deputy Secretary of State. Report, US military advisors deployed to Taiwan-controlled islands on China's coast. Part two, what other people had to say. And we start with the genocide and this article by Caitlin Johnston, pushing Gazans into Rafa and then attacking Rafa, killing under a funding without evidence, is not just about the, the genocide. It's a little bit wider, but it's beautifully put. And I had a comment from someone who was saying that one of the frustrations they have with uh, Caitlin's articles is that they're not proposing solutions how one can act. So the one ends up feeling frozen uh, and frustrated by this never-ending spigot of sewage. 
And, and I absolutely uh, relate to that challenge. I try and address that now and then for, for you all. And a, a point that I made to this individual was that right now, there is the greatest push ever to extend the BDS movement, which was basically you know, sanctions and, and so forth. And that's being done by Ansar Allah in Yemen. And so if you want to support that process, you just stop buying anything that's made by Israelis, <laughs> by Israel, anything that's made from Israel anyway. So just, you're possibly already doing this because, you know, scumbags, you know, they've cornered the, the um, carbonated drinks market with SodaStream. Like, screw it. So anyway, you probably don't, you know, do that already, but you can at least advertise that to your friends. I've decided that these are such scumbags, I've decided to purposefully continue to not support the Israeli economy, etc. Whatever. Um, moving on. So the big article from the week already referenced is Let the Meat Dirt by Chris Hedges. This is a magnificent piece of writing uh, using the skills of a journalist and a master writer at his craft. Please read. And then we have from Bernard of Munavala Bama, a move on Rafa might be a spark that ignites a a bigger explosion. And he's referencing some messaging coming from, well not just messaging, some data about what's happening and where Egypt is. And they're saying you don't do that, Israel, or we'll tear up the peace treaty. Because if they push, do the big attack on Rafah, that's going to threaten to have refugees spill over into the Sinai, and that is a political dynamite for Egypt. They just can't handle it. So they're pulling out serious diplomatic stops there, saying we'll tear up the peace treaty, and you know what that means, Israel, be careful. So there are big things afoot, is what Bernard is hinting at there. And we have an article actually from last week that I didn't notice then from Craig Murray uh, called Quality and Propaganda, which is a documentation of a case of a complete, extremely poor piece of propaganda produced by the Israel lobby in Australia. And uh, it was a bullshit piece of a collection of imagery from protests that they, they overlaid a different soundtrack to. It was obvious that it was uh, bullshit and fake from the very beginning. And he cites the tweet that he put out straight away because it's obvious the soundtracks you know spans the jumps the, the video jump cuts and so forth uh however a journalist got fired i've mentioned this before too there's a wrongful dismissal case going before the abc uh and various other things when a member of parliament was hounded for suggesting that the thing was you know looked uh, unreliable or you know some very mild term for bullshit fake propaganda so it's a very um it's classic murray here's the data Here's the history of it, and here's the consequences. See what's happening, and particularly it's you know Australia, but it's the same in the US and so forth. You, you all understand this, I'm sure. Anyway, so that's a great piece by him, and he comes back later. So moving on to the next section, we've got NATO slash Russia, uh, and another piece from Bernard of Moon of Alabama, Ukraine sit rep, a hated new commander, critical lack of infantry, in which he provides uh, a collection of sources, uh, including the Economist, for example, saying, "Oh, <laughs> what does this mean?" Uh, and that's covered uh, again later in uh, somewhere below on musical chairs in in Kiev and so forth. So, and uh, I commented on this in the same article where I commented on um, uh, let the meat dirt, which is I wouldn't be so confident, <laughs> Zelensky, that you managed to get rid of the head of the um, uh, military. He, he might just come back as the president. <laughs> so that's what's going on. It's a serious power struggle going on there and of course the US is involved in it because they sent Vixen Newland out there to try and sort shit out 
and I'm not sure that she managed to get much shit sorted out, actually. There's a lot of stuff going down. So that's all... For people who like this sort of thing, palace intrigue sort of stuff, that's quite interesting because it tells you a little bit about where this is going. There's actually an article from Helmer, which I'll dig up. I forgot to grab it, which in which he looks at the financial market. So he he includes some material from someone who works in the um, forex markets and says that essentially these are a way of predicting the outcomes of things because the people who are moving funds around to profit from you know changes in the values of different currencies one versus the other they need the intelligence ahead of time it's just the competition of the market actually happening and so they need the intelligence so you can watch the changes in the forex rates and see which way things are going to go so it he frames it as a comment on what's happening in uh, ukraine slash the proxy war with nato slash us whatever but it's actually a generic comment on using the forex rates as a way of predicting where things are going. So I'll throw that in because it's actually quite interesting. And sorry for that sort of wander off into the distance. And then we have a great uh, article by Jeffrey Sachs called The Biden Schumer Plan to Kill More Ukrainians. And that's a republish at Consortium News, originally from Common Dreams, another case of Common Dreams doing great reporting. So from Professor Jeffrey Sachs. And it's quite clear that all this funding is going to have no uh, outcome upon the war at all. It's complete. It's just money you know, designed to be pilfered by various people. And as I suggested in the uh, Let Me Dirt article, this is basically seeding the ground for the funding, not the funding, the arming of an insurgency, which is to come, as this is that article a while back by um, uh, Stephen Bryan showing, saying that basically what's going to happen is Budinov is going to have an awful lot more control and what's going to happen is a, an insurgency and what they're doing is funding the equivalent of the stay behind armies of operation gladio so uh, this is my suspicion i might prove out to be totally proved to be totally wrong we'll find out um uh, and then this is an interesting little piece by jeffrey roberts who's a uh, professor somewhere um ignorance is not bliss 10 egregious historical misanalogies of the russo-ukrainian war First of all, I like to see that academicians are starting to return, describe this as the Russo-Ukrainian war. It's not terribly accurate because we really know it's the US. But, you know, it's starting to evolve. There's a term arriving in academia, which is great to see. And I like the idea of historical misanalogies. misanalogies. So, you know, the, the Putin is, is, is Hitler and da-da-da. He goes down the list and makes a bunch of interesting points from history. I, I believe he's a history professor based upon the, the detailed understanding he has of history. Anyway, moving along, that's actually interesting if you're curious about these sorts of things. <laughs> then we have, um, thank you very much to NS Baldwin for publishing the um, YouTube version of Tucker Carlson's interview with Vladimir Putin. So that was great of her. And then we have some commentary on that from uh, Larry Johnson. And there is another one below in the video section from Pascal Lataz, which is interesting. So there's, a, as is always the case, when you have an extended oratory uh, interview, whatever, with um, Vladimir Putin, there's a lot of stuff in there. It takes a while to read through it and unpack it. One of the most read articles of this newsletter is way back when, which was the 40-minute speech followed by a three-and-a-half-hour-long Q&A session with assembled international journalists that Vladimir Putin gave about a year and a half ago. And it was before the outbreak of the 
or before the SMO began. So it was in, I think, November, October, November um, 2021. So, yeah, it's worth actually, I think the transcript actually is the way to go. So that came out from Red State or whatever they're called. Um, and the transcript, I think, is the way to go. So read the transcript. If you're interested in this sort of stuff, read the transcript first and then watch the video if you're interested in seeing the sort of body language and the tone of voice and this sort of stuff. And then look at other people's commentary. And, and based upon that, you can come to your own conclusions about what the hell is being said and what it means and so forth. That's my advice, whatever. Do what you want. Uh, and then in geopolitics, we have Dawn is breaking out all over and the world is waking up. The six newsletter from Vijay Prashad at the Tricontinental Institute for Social Research. And what he's basically saying is there's a ton of elections going on around the world this year. But this article particularly focuses on Venezuela which is a good thing that that's sort of reaching the news again. Uh, and so I advise to go through there, and it, it's, a, it's really an analysis of how Chavez attempted to wrest control of the nation from the influence that the US and other equivalent corporate interests had over Venezuela, and then how the changes that he made were then portrayed as, you know, the dictator taking control of the courts and all this blah, blah, blah. And he you know, debunks this historically by saying, no, actually, the same sort of stuff exists in the US anyway. It's classic, you know, hypocritical, la, la, la. But of course, he expresses it, as Vijay does, very gently, cites the historical facts, here's the story. So um, a very nice uh, article or uh, newsletter from him. And then we have from Pepe Escobar, why Medvedev is free to go full Born to be wild. <laughs> Great titling as ever from Escobar. And the first half of the article is looks very much like um, sort of Russian propaganda, actually. Uh, it's not it's not terribly bad to read, uh, but it's a bit sort of lacking in terms of content, as it were. However, the second half of the article, he goes to a couple of sources which I have not yet followed up because they look like the data in this. Uh, and he speaks of a couple of analysts, uh, a German one, um, Barb and, and someone else, doing things like citing uh, other very credible sources, the Swiss military intelligence guy whose name escapes me at the moment and so forth. So there's a, the, this article really is about the, the source data from it. Um, so I, if you're interested in putting in the effort, go there. And then we have Badra Kumar reminding us about the shit that went down in Afghanistan and the fact that the Taliban are still in control and Afghanistan is a critical import to the Belt and Road Initiative, therefore it's a battleground. Uh, and uh, what he's signaling is that Russia and China have got in there to recognise the Taliban fully. They already had, actually. So there's a continuing process there about uh, bringing Taliban, the Taliban, i.e. Afghanistan, into the fold, working out how they can be effective member of the SEO or wherever they end up, whatever they end up doing with them. So that's an ongoing process there, and good on MKB for keeping his eyes on that. And then we move on to Assange, and there's a whole lot of stuff going down. There's a reason for that, as I've echoed, which is that upcoming is the last chance for the British judiciary to go, yeah, actually, uh, exporting Assange to, or whatever, uh, Assange over the US is is equivalent of murder. So uh, there's a lot of uh, news coverage coming out uh, because this is an upcoming uh, important event. And so we begin with State Secrecy and Public public Hearings Part 1 by Craig Murray. And I emphasise again that one of the things that Craig Murray has been very good at doing is being present at court proceedings and reporting on them for the world. He's done this for multiple of the 
legal proceedings against Julian Assange. He's just done this at the ICJ, the only reporter in the room, and he's doing it again. This time, just looking at following how the court is structuring the upcoming uh, hearing on Assange. And they're, what they're basically saying is, if you want to be have access to the court, then you have to lodge an application with us with your reasons for doing so, an email address, and da-da-da-da-da-da, by the latest, the 9th of May, which was several days ago, so otherwise, puck off, you know. So it's a completely closed court, is what, what he's saying. You know, the, the US, sorry, the UK, are locking up the court proceedings, excluding the public from it, which is great for him because he's going to be there uh, and he'll report on it for us. But it's pretty. It's a pretty ugly state of affairs for the country that in which the Magna Carta was first announced, and you know there was a bit of rights given to citizens, not rights, but you know, a chance of some chance of dead power, maybe. Anyway, uh, and then we have the associated stuff coming out. So first of all, the CIA vengeance and Joshua Schulte, which is unaccountable hackers. Uh, which is a great piece by Ben Katmark, uh, published at uh, Counterpunch, I think, originally. Uh, anyway, here it is at Post, and it's looking at the Vault 7 release, and the source of that is believed to be, I won't claim is, uh, Joshua Schulte, who was working inside the CIA, or the contractors who were working for the CIA, producing these, these hacking tools that generated from um, newly appointed C- head of CIA, or was it, he might have been Secretary of State at the time? No, I think it was CIA. Um, Pompeo, the, you know, we lie, we steal, we, we cheat, we steal. Um, his comment about um, the WikiLeaks being an, uh, a non-state intelligence service and all the rest of that, which is a really interesting quote, because he really gives the game away. And I've always thought that was the greatest compliment you could ever play to, pay to a news organisation, a non-state intelligence service. Anyway... So it's a good article that reviews the uh, Joshua Schulte case and looks at how courts have dealt with uh, particularly this case and, and associated others. It's a nice little walk back in time. So it's not uh, rooted in recent events. It's just a review of that, and it's a good one. So I recommend it. Now we have much like uh, prison visiting rules. The use of the Espionage Act is arbitrary and punitive by Jeffrey Sterling, who's another person who was smacked around uh, by the courts. He's a former CIA employee and I think he I can't remember the case that he had and had something to do whatever currently the case with him but he's been abused by the by the US uh, court system and so he's making a comment on the um, the use of the Espionage Act and then we have watch all hands on deck for Assange by Consortium News that there was an airing a showing of the film uh, Ithaca uh, in France at some particular location and so there's a discussion that happens after the the film, because the film is about the persecution of Assange and the journey of uh, his father, John Shipton. And uh, I include in that a link to the first <laughs> review of the film that occurred after its first showing in Australia, uh, down the road, <laughs> as it were, in Sydney, at the uh, in Randwick, at the uh, Randwick Ritz Cinema, and I reviewed the film and included in that article footage from outside the cinema afterwards. Uh, so, and it's the only article that I've ever stuck exclusive in front of because there was no other review of the film out there, even though it happened in uh, the Sydney Film Festival. So, 
There you go. A uh, bit of history down uh, this newsletters lane and all that. And then under video, we've got the usual collection of stuff from Judging Freedom. They're all great. Do that. But I dug up a few other interesting things. One of which is that Ratanzi interviews Cornell West. And doesn't matter what the topic is, it's always worth listening to what good old Cornell West has to say. And uh, I imagine the interview between the two of them, which I haven't watched, is going to be a cracker. So I'm going to have a go with that. And there's something else I dug up there too, which is that former Ecuadorian president Andre Alvarez is interviewed by Ratanzi as well the week before Ecuadorian crisis, how the USA, IMF and mafia took over the country. Good titling again. Um, Tons is a great interviewer, and I imagine that that would be very interesting to people interested in Latin American uh, geopolitics and what's happening with the great pink tide and, and regional integration and these sorts of things, because that, of course, relates to the BRICS Plus thing, although uh, they thought they'd made another step into the continent with um, Argentina, but uh, no, the uh, recently elected uh, populist uh, conservative president ripped up the... Uh, the article of association, and so it became the BRICS 10 instead of BRICS Plus. Uh, so, and that would be it for the video offerings uh, section under what other people are saying. So, with regard to the newsletter this week, this be part three, uh, we started out with uh, flying an explosive narrative, which was trying to understand what the hell they were talking about at the USDOD in terms of these the three soldiers who died because of the drone attack in at Tower 22. And so that was a, you know, putting a few, putting the official story together with the uh, false flag version I'd been, I'd constructed and then adding in a lovely bit of work by uh, John Helmer. And then the, uh, the audio version of that, the extended, was sort of merging all those things together. In the end, as we'll find out, that was a hogwash. <laughs> the answer was far simpler. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to that. So then there was an article, um, European farmers' protests, in that this is sort of old news. It's been going on forever. And it's quite funny that the mainstream media are all very surprised. Oh, my God, the farmers are on the streets again. Yeah, well, that's because you didn't fix it from last time. It's pretty obvious. And all they're doing, of course, is reporting, you know, what the current round of pollies are saying. It's not really helping anything. I mean, I get a bit pissed about this stuff. It goes on for a while. Surely they've got, you know, some, someone's done some research to find out what this is about. Sure, there are the current demands, but there's also a background to this. And they never seem to talk about this. So I find it a bit strange. Because I'd written an article on this uh, a couple of years ago, whatever it was. And so I just sort of dug that up. And I wonder what, you know, what's changed? Not much. Uh, and then looked at some further uh, research that I was around last time too. And I hadn't gone that far. And I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll just throw it all together. So it's the usual story. Uh, it's actually the old story of you know, through the neoliberal period, while Western governments were making reasonable amounts of money here and there, you know, minus the global financial crisis, um, they, didn't, they haven't invested in infrastructure. So, and, and also haven't taken on things like environmental issues. You know, that's been kicked, everything's just been kicked down the road. So in the end, it sort of screws up. People get pissed off. And there here you go. You know, it's, yeah, rocket science, right? <laughs> but, so then we got on to the two Reuters articles, SITREP and uh, Quality Review. They were a bit of an experiment, actually. So I'd read this article on whatever it was. Yeah, yeah Kremlin says goals of Russia's special military opinion are going to remain unchanged. It was like, hang on, what the hell? Why is that news? <laughs> and so in the end, I sort of was running a dialogue in my head and I went, hang on. So that article 
it may not be obvious because I didn't sort of tell you all about it. Though that article is the two references complete verbatim, every single word in order. But I've inserted an interlocutor to turn it into a piece of satire. So I was quite happy with that anyway. But that is those are those re- those articles complete verbatim. <laughs> so that was quite fun. Um, and then the second one, I can understand why people might be a little bit less interested in that because I turned it into sort of local political action, right? So I'm obviously having a discussion uh, satirically based in the ABC newsroom, you know, the journalist there. Uh, so I just thought I was just sort of carrying on with the idea. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, if you did, let me know. I'll consider doing similar things. It's a little bit in, in the vein of the uh, yes and jock stuff. So these sort of conversational approaches to... Uh, narrative, well, what do we call it? Yeah, dialogue. A dialogue approach to, you know, addressing issues. Anyway, the next one was the the big 10-year uh, anniversary, and I thought that was very well worth doing. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I love the fact that the uh, the video of with the transcript of the pilot, that's uh, pilot, um, Piat Newland call, uh, was published by Diddly Squat. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and it's been taken down and put back up again and all that sort of stuff. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I certainly enjoyed putting it together. It was nice to sort of go back in time and look at what happened in 2013 that leads to that point. And of course, largely I ignored the, the war in Syria, although there was that great article from the Washington Post, was it Greg Miller? Anyway, the, the moderate rebels are being defeated by the Syrian army. What's going wrong? <laughs> Yeah, cute. And then, uh, and then uh, Friday with yeah, just a bit of news. I read the article by Hedges, right? Let them do it. And what, what do you do? And I, what I wanted to do was just cut and paste the whole damn thing. But I don't believe in doing that. He runs. Uh, he's trying to make money out of his writing. He's a very good writer. So I don't do that very often. Excuse the aeroplanes. Same old shit. Uh, yep. Here, Syria, <laughs> Jordan, everywhere. Right? Let the planes fly on. Yes, they're planes and not drones. Um, yeah, so I, I put a few other bits of news around it to, to make it into something. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty obvious. It was pretty cool, the uh, the $1 billion of, <laughs> after the special tracking thing that had to be done, da, 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 they managed to lose a billion dollars worth of weapons. How long did it take them to do that? A year or something? Whatever. Classic. Um, and then, uh, sorry for being so cheesy with uh, the special screencast <laughs> rant version 4, which is a one minute and seven seconds long, or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, it was just, I was looking for the video, and I was going, you scumbags. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, like, tell, they want to tell me what everyone's saying about it. No, 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 give me the video. <laughs> but of course, you'll see that below, because good old um, uh, NS uh, Baldwin has, has given us a hand. And, and that brings us to, uh, yeah, what the hell happened with the drone thing, which is, and this is worth going on about a bit, actually, because... I mean, after having put quite a bit of research into this, I would have thought that it would have come across my radar, (laughs) exactly where this went. And the answer was, no, completely missed it. It was a one-liner somewhere in uh, a uh, Judging Freedom episode. Oh, yeah, and there were no defences. What? (laughs) Says I. And they go on to talk about whatever they're talking about. This is like, and no no one's announced it, no one's discussed it. (laughs) I was going, hang on. This is a bit like the Putin video thing. It's like nobody's going to actually address the content. Or da, 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 da. We're all working around the edges or ignoring it completely. Yeah. So this is, as I suggested, actually I've changed my mind a little bit. So uh, Deputy Press Secretary uh, Singh, now she's not 
I presume, uh, a career military person, right? She's a, a press spokesperson, right? That's her job. And so she doesn't really know much. So she's there to answer questions. You know that she has some detail, but I don't know, some background. Um, but, you know, she's given limited information and she's meant to work with that. Fair enough. And the fact is, she, why, you know, why should she ask what the you know, technical state of the defence mechanisms at Tower 22 were and so forth? And so I'll give her a pass. Like she's, just, she's misled the population because she was misled herself, like lying by omission, right? But not with General Ryder. I, come on. He surely had the, you know, enough brain cells to say, OK, what was the defence mechanism that was bypassed? So, and the fact that he didn't, so I'm pinning that on him. He <laughs> lied by omission. He must have, if, otherwise he's an idiot. <laughs> How do you get the rank of general and not ask the simplest of questions like that? Anyway, so that was, that was quite interesting. So it was completely suppressed by the media. There was the one report by whoever it was, Washington Post, but, and no one said anything about it. So that's why in the article I accused the media of, you know, lying by omission as well. You see this is collusion, right? So when you, it, it all starts out with, you know, there's the drone attack and three US soldiers are killed and ah, everybody's in a big tears and it's the big news, blah, blah, blah. and when it comes out that the, how they died was because essentially the US DOD killed them because there was no defense and nobody says anything. And that tells you all you need to know. So I think actually we might just sum up the week there. You know, everything is situational, absolutely. Snafu. Situation normal, all fucked up. Uh, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I'll see what, see what next week brings. Maybe there'll be something novel. <laughs> Have a good one. Welcome back to Yes, X or No Audio.